I'm Chris Osaki, creative director for Forza Motorsport. We are bringing new racing dynamics, visual fidelity, and gameplay detail to every track. This includes weather, 24-hour day-night cycles, and track evolution. More tracks are coming to Forza Motorsport after our launch on October 10th, including past favorites and brand new challenges to keep the competition fresh and exciting. We can't wait to share more. Chris Osaki, Creative Director for Forza Motorsport. We are bringing new racing dynamics, visual... Hi, I'm Chris Osaki. Creative Director for Forza Motorsport. We are bringing new racing dynamics, visual fidelity, and gameplay detail to every track. This includes weather, 24-hour day-night cycles, and track evolution. More tracks are coming to Forza Motorsport after our launch on October 10th, including past favorites and brand new challenges to keep the competition fresh and exciting. We can't wait to share more. See you at the starting line. into one of my cars, you get in the wind. Hi, I'm Ryan Blaney, a third generation race car driver. And we dedicate a lot of our time to going as fast as possible. But when my grandpa was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was a very unexpected bump in the road for us. 
It's important to notice if older family members are acting differently, experiencing problems with their memory, or having trouble with routine tasks. Early detection of Alzheimer's can give your family time to explore support services, make a plan for the future, and access available treatments. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. Hey guys, this is Matt Hagen, three-time funny car world champion, and you're watching Draft in the Circus. Green flag back in the air. Harvick on the inside, Busher on the outside. Remember, no rules for locking bumpers, but these cars have been very uncomfortable pushing through the corner, but I think we're going to see it anyways here in these last two laps. That outside line, big push from Brad Keselowski. Brad Keselowski, seven super speedway wins. Wow, a little bit of contact with the four. Harvick up there and caught the left rear quarter panel. Logano was trying really hard to get to the outside. Couldn't make it work. RFK Racing, one and two now. Busher with Brad Keselowski behind him. Coming out of four. Harvick to the inside now. He's got some help still. Chase Elliott back there. Can he get to the bumper? There's the white flag. One more to go. Huge push on the outside from the six. Three cars in tandem. Now, will the bumper stay locked? The six of Brad Keselowski trying to push that 17. Here comes Harvick in the four. Big push from the 10. He stays committed to the six down the back straightaway. Elliott. Pushing the four. Busher and Keslowski. Now, which line will they take through three and four for the final time? Busher separates a car link between he and Keslowski. Brad's got no help. I don't think he gets back there to the 17. As they come to the trioval, Busher's going to win at Daytona. And with that, Bubba Wallace is locked into oh, the playoffs yeah. on points. Oh, man. Way to go. Nice job, Herb. Three wins already yeah, this year. Nice job. For Chris Busher, the resurgence of RFK. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. 
My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about everything racing and uh, preview next week. Joining me, Richard Eden. Just the two of us tonight, right? Just the two of us. Just the Richard and Frank show. Uh, Louise Torres off on assignment. Um, but still, Louise Torres Multimedia. I'll get it right this week for you, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, Levi also off on assignment. I uh, want to thank our sponsor. I don't know if you know, it's got a couple of new trailers up there. Our ad for Forza Motorsport has been updated. There's new uh, new changes in the game where the weather can change within the game, which is pretty cool, right? Really mimics actual... Uh, you know, racing there and uh, trailer for a new Ferrari movie, uh, movie about Enzo Ferrari, where um, Adam Driver is playing the lead there. And uh, Keith asked me to make a corny joke about Adam Driver uh, playing, you know, Enzo early when Enzo was still a driver. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, it looks like the film is going to be outstanding. So, uh, you know, go ahead and watch it. Also, thank you to uh, the uh, Alzheimer's Association. So, uh, Richard, let's start down in sunny Florida. Uh, where uh, Daytona was finishing up the NASCAR regular season, setting yep. the setting the playoff field, crowning the regular season champion, uh, who will be uh, William Byron. I, I honestly don't even know if that's a thing. Martin Truex Jr. is the regular season champion, wasn't he? I don't know. He we're, didn't we're, have the most wins, but he had the most points. Okay, the note I've got has got them. Tied on points, uh, five mm-hmm. wins to three. That's the one I looked at. But I, you know what? They never even. I don't even know if regular season champion is still a thing. Honestly, it is. I mean, oh, they, yeah. they they made a big deal about it the first year Martin won and gave him a trophy and everything else. But I haven't heard anything about it this week. So, oh yeah, no, no, no. It was. Let uh, me just pulling it up here. Martin Truex Jr. is the 2003 regular season champion. Tied for the points lead. So yeah, you basically end up getting 15 bonus points going into the playoffs. So. I think the way it fundamentally works is that now both Martin and William Byron are basically locked in till a round of eight. I think they'd have to have a pretty right, right. They're disastrous. Both, they're even on points uh, going in. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and everybody gets a minimum of 2,000 points and then all their bonus points that were accrued throughout the season uh, for wins and the like are, are added onto that and stage wins. Um, with... With two of the guys in there, uh, I mean, if you look at it, um, you know, Kozlowski's actually ninth in the standings without a win. So, uh, you know, it's certainly very doable. Um, but, yeah, no, Martin, Martin won the uh, regular season um, stand, excuse me, standings. Hmm. Yeah, because nobody ever mentioned it. And I just looked at the points that had uh, Byron listed first and, and uh, Truex second, yeah, five, but, five yeah. one to three, same amount of points. I think they're both starting yeah. with uh, – 2036 on a point, so no, it's a little bit more, uh, you know, they you know how they do it, you know how they do it, but, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, so, uh, so on virtue of Christopher Busher winning uh, the race, that was a repeat yep. winner, um, so we didn't have a, 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 new, a new winner, third win in the last five races, as a matter of yeah. fact. I mean, these guys are on a roll, and it was a one, two for RFK yeah. racing. Brad Keselowski came in second. Uh, Daytona. So uh, by that virtue, it was Bubba Wallace over Ty Gibbs getting that last playoff spot. Yep. Um, and then uh, next to last, uh, another winless driver, Harvick down there. Yep. Or, um, yep. So uh, so we'll see um, playoffs beginning a week. So, but the Daytona race itself, what'd you think about it, Richard? 
it seemed to me like it uh, put on some pretty interesting racing, some three and four wide at times. Yeah, we're certainly seeing that with the new car, the the next gen car. You're seeing, um, you know, the ability to run two, three wide, you know, on a pretty regular basis at these super speedways. You know, you're seeing less and less single file running, which is um, certainly, you know, better from an entertainment standpoint for the fans. Now, it, it, it does lead to the inevitable uh, issues that we saw at the end of the second stage there and then um, towards the end of the race, you know, with um, the two pretty uh, pretty intense uh, wrecks that we saw for Ryan Blaney and, and Ryan Priest. So, uh, you're not a, not a good day for the Ryans at, uh, at Daytona this last weekend. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, so... it's it's the nature of, of um, you know, restrictor plate racing or whatever, whatever you can call it. It's not genuine restrictor plate these days, but, uh, you know, yeah, the style of racing. Super speedway racing, call yeah. it, I guess, right? So, um, you know, and it, it is, it's, it is what it is. Um, well, we've and, got some, we've got some video of, uh, yeah, of, let, so. let's, uh, let's take a look at the, um, Ryan Blaney won first there because that one was kind of scary in the fact that he went nose first yeah, into the wall. So, but Keith, yeah. Keith, go ahead and play the clip and then we'll uh, we'll kind of break it down. It's good to see Ryan Blaney walk out of the infield care center. Man, what happened from your perspective? And are, are you okay? Yeah, I think I'm okay. Um, I don't really know what happened. I saw, I guess the replay, and and I'm guessing I'm guessing the 54 just got turned into my right rear, and um, unfortunately we got in the fence so yes thanks a lot of cars got tore up thought we made a good move to try to yeah it looks like you kind of got them in a weird spot and uh yeah uh, and that's not not fun um so uh yes thanks i mean our advanced auto parts ford mustang was really fast and came from the back to the front multiple times and uh thought we made a good move to try to win the stage and just uh yeah that that, that stinks nothing you can really do there um so Unfortunate, but fast Mustang. Appreciate advanced auto parts and uh, looking forward to getting to Darlington next week. Yeah, good to see Ryan Blaney is okay, obviously, in the playoffs for the win at Charlotte earlier this year, Rick. All right, so you can see that pretty violent impact there. Um, and, and again, it's very reminiscent of the uh, the crash that took Dale Earnhardt's life there at that same, uh, same racetrack. Uh, although, you know, there have been serious improvements to the both the cars and the driver's personal safety equipment in the last 22 years, you know, probably the most significant of, of which is the, uh, you know, the head and neck restraint, the Haas device uh, that, that all the drivers are required to wear now, which really uh, has prevented a lot of guys from these, what they call basilar skull fractures. So, but it looked like Blaney uh, came out unscathed, although that was uh, that was a heck of a hit. Yeah, it, it was it was a nasty incident. You know, you you saw a little bit of packing up, stacking up behind them. I think Chris Bell got in the back of Ty Gibbs there, and uh, Ty ended up, you know, going a little low and, and catching um, uh, Blaney's left rear quarter panel and just turned him into the wall there. And yeah, oof, that was a that was a big impact. That was that was pretty nasty, and uh, it, it certainly as horrible as it's got everybody's attention pretty quickly, given, as you said, the similarity to some previous incidents we've seen at that corner in the past, the, um, they said the similarities were pretty, pretty eerie in a, in a way. It wasn't, it wasn't a good look, uh, but thankfully 
you know, these cars are a lot safer than they have been in the past. The, the safer barrier did its job. Uh, how it moved, you can see, you know, the movement in the safer barrier uh, during the impact. You know, it did exactly what it was meant to do. And, uh, you know, again, if you look at that accident and you look at the car compared to some of other cars in similar incidents, the crumple zone is a lot longer and a lot bigger and certainly absorbed more of the impact, which meant the driver took less of the impact. So, you know, th these sort of incidents and that are... are part and parcel of the super speedway racing so you've got to make the car safe and, and they did a reasonably good job in this impact i'm sure even even today four or five days post post race you know ryan's pretty pretty sore and pretty stiff um you know you don't get over an impact like that overnight but uh you know the good thing is he got out of the car and he's uh you know hopefully going to be racing at darlington uh this coming weekend but uh, you know, testament to the teams that build these cars, testament to NASCAR that uh, that does that, and the, you know the work they've gone, the, the work they've gone through at times. Um, they they receive you know criticism for for some of these newer cars, uh, and we know that they you know the, the next gen car has had some issues with, um, you know some of the drivers you know absorbing impacts that they're maybe not used to. Um, and on a side note. Pre-race, we did see uh, Kurt Busch announce his retirement from full time from racing, uh, which is, you know, unfortunately, you know, I think expected that a year, year or so after uh, he, you know, that wreck he had in Pocono, um, which, which, you know, again, NASCAR have worked very, very hard on the rear clips of these cars to help improve their uh, their strength and, uh, and and safety on these rear rear quarter panel impacts. Um, but yeah, it, it it's it's. Great to see walk away, um, but you know you, you can't hide hide from the danger of these things. The more impacts we have like this, and the more accidents we have like this, at some point we're we're going to be unlucky, and uh, we've got to be very very careful and not not you know not resting on laurels with this one. All right, so uh, now um, just a few weeks ago, you and I were talking about the undertray of the uh, mm -hmm. of the gen the gen seven car or the the next gen car um current gen, and, and current gen <laughs> i you know it's hard and hard to keep up with them right so uh yeah. <laughs> but um yeah but we got a good look at what that understray actually looks like uh thanks to um a wreck with ryan priest and i don't mean to make light of it uh but yeah. this is this is the type of accident that we would occasionally see um Back in the 90s, before they installed like the roof flaps and the hood flaps and those sort of things uh, and, and other bits of arrow to keep the cars on the ground. We don't we don't see this a lot anymore at all. But it was, um, <laughs> you know, it was uh, spectacular to see um, and and horrifying at the same time. But but again, you know, we had a driver that uh, that, that walked away. Um, and eventually. <laughs> eventually, eventually, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. first taken in a stretcher, yeah, but uh, he seems to be uh, doing pretty well. So, Keith, let's yeah. let's have a look at that one then. The Ryan Priest, oh, look out, trouble further back. One car is up and over, barrel rolling down the back straightaway. It is Ryan Priest, end over end, side over side, as the car breaks loose and now will catch flame in a horrific crash on the back straightaway. Flames are extinguished for the most part. Now reactivate under the hood. Ryan Priest, end over end, side over side, basically turning pirouettes down the back stretch. Talk to me if you can. Got me, buddy.
everybody. I haven't heard him. Have you heard him? I have not heard him, no. Hear your mic if you can hear me. Got us at the wrong angle, turned us left. So much for staying on the fucking ground. Yeah, no shit. We're gonna kill somebody at one of these places. I have never seen a race car put that many times. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Yeah, so as you can see, very horrifying there. Yeah, and again, this was, we see this often in the 90s. I remember uh, Rusty Wallace taking a hell of a tumble with Talladega one time. Um, and and even just recently, an IndyCar with Simon Pagenaud with the whole, with, with the car kind of spinning like that. It looked kind of eerily similar to that, albeit, you know, a much different car. So, so again, but we did get a good look at that, uh, that underbody of the car, that under trade that some drivers are calling to, uh, have that under tray removed to, so they can get uh, get a little more. Is is it less downforce that they want on the? Yeah, but yeah, they were talking about it out for the uh, Indy Oval. So, well, I mean, no, yeah, nobody, I mean, nice nobody in charge is talking like about it. It's just yeah. drivers, you know, jacking yeah. up the jaw, running their mouths. So, uh, uh, imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yep. <laughs> but no, they um, they did a um. You know, the job that they did with that, for want of a better word, is, you know, I, I think the, the dynamic of this accident and the thing that makes it very hard is that the car was sideways when it started to get lift. You know, these roof flaps you were mentioning earlier, you know, they, they're designed to prevent lift when the car's going in a straight line. When it gets sideways like that, it's very hard to prevent the lift because the car very rarely travels in that direction. Um, the... The scary thing for me in that whole accident was the first impact, the escape hatch came out, which it's not designed to do. On the super speedways, teams are mandated to run a basically an escape hatch above the driver's seat so that, um, you know, in an instance where the uh, chassis is compromised and they can't extract the driver through the driver's window, they can at least get to and provide medical attention through the roof. Uh, and that blew off on the first impact, which was a, a bit of a concern. But, you know, again, you look back at, um, you know, we talked about this in the past when we've seen some of these big impacts. This was the best type of impact in a way for the driver to go through because it was a very slow deceleration. It was a very violent accident. Yeah, and, and the you know the driver being thrown around inside the car um, certainly uh, isn't a comfortable experience for him. But the fact that it slowly you know, came to rest and, um, you know, the car's designed to withstand those impacts. Um, you know, the final impact was the scariest one for me when it landed on its roof prior to writing itself. That was a clean impact flat on the roof. And that was, um, yeah, that was, oof. yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. was, that was a nasty one. That, that, that one had me worried because these cars, you can, you can design them as strong as you want for a single point impact. You know, they, NASCAR will crash test them by, you know, like your, you know, your road car will be crash tested, you know, on a, on a, on a skid down into a wall, you know, going head on, going at an angle. 
uh, they'll roll a car, they'll um, you know, do all these sort of things. But once it's survived that initial impact, there's every possibility that the chassis is compromised. And where you know what happens to the chassis after those, that initial impact is very, very, very hard to predict. And and where it's going to um, you know, fall, gonna fail, you yeah. Know? So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, no, very, very lucky there. But again, you know, NASCAR will take both of those cars, I'm sure, back to their R and D center and do a lot of research and a lot of learning and understanding about what they can do in the future to uh, help predict the drivers further. All right, but but again, the uh, you know the upside of the story is uh, both those drivers lived lived to race another day. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah which is uh, which is just just one of the wonderful things about the sport this day and age. How far. Uh, you know, we have come in safety, um, you know, from even from when I started racing in the 70s. But, uh, you know, prior to that, it was, you know, it was, it was an accepted part of the game. But now uh, it's not. So. All right. So we are off to Darlington for the first Lady round. Black. Lady yep. in black. Yep. So uh, fun little track. Uh, interesting drive to get there. Uh, you've got to go through some yeah. pretty rural areas that, you know. If you're a city, if you're a city boy like me, it could be a little nerve wracking, yeah. I guess. I, you know, I remember driving. I've driven down there a couple of times from uh, from North Carolina. It's a it, it's a really you know as you say a rural place to get to, and um, yeah, some interesting scenery along the way. There's a there's a trailer park you drive past about four or five miles from the track, and uh, oh yeah, there was some sights there. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's in, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it really, it, it really is a throwback to NASCAR's uh, past. It is, you know, certainly one of the oldest uh, mm-hmm. tracks on the schedule, but it's in a very remote area, you know, and, and of course, uh, you know, you know, Martinsville comes close too. Martinsville is kind of uh, uh, in, in a bit of a remote area, but it's, it's not quite as out in the, in the sticks, I guess is the word for it as Darlington is. Uh, but those are two of NASCAR's oldest tracks and, and, that just uh, preserves the feel of old NASCAR. So, um, well, Richard, since you always bow out of making NASCAR predictions, I guess it's just up to me <coughs> to go ahead and pick a winner for Darlington. So what if I say that RFK uh, continues their role that they're on and uh, Keselowski wins this one? Uh, how would you feel about that, Richard? You're making faces like, you know, is a prior Darlington winner. You know, I mean, Keselowski's won at most places, doesn't he? Well, this uh, is, this is quite true, as AJ Foyt would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's 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 a good call. Um, yeah, I think that uh, you know after the, the we haven't had you know I mean you, you're right to a certain extent that Arica won the last two what I would call conventional races. Um, you know, we've always had. Daytona, which they won, but it's a crapshoot, and the two road courses. But then they wrote, well, they won Richmond and was it Michigan. The, the Michigan two races that to, you know. So yeah, that they're they're the defending conventional NASCAR track winners. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're probably going to be there or thereabouts. Uh, you know, are they are they genuine championship contenders? I don't know. Um, 
I, I mean, they're they're working in that direction. They still that still might yeah, be. I think it's too. Early still might me. be two, two, three, maybe three yeah. years, maybe in the future, till they're you know till I, they're I, on I a level with a, a, with a Gibbs or a you know or a Hendrick. Hendrick or somebody. Yeah, and and also you know it's something that I you know I, I I harp on about you know over the years. Winning championships and winning races isn't about being fast. It's about not making mistakes from an execution standpoint. And, um, you know, that comes with experience. And do RFK, um, you know, obviously they've been very successful in the past, you know, under the Roush organization, the championship winners on a, you know, from a, an engine perspective and a, and a, and a, a team perspective. Um, but, you know, does, it, does the current crop of engineers and mechanics and pit guys have that steely sort of determination, but uh, are there going to be a little rabbit in headlights when it comes to the big boys games? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, the interesting I think, thing I think is... we'll get, I think one of them will get through the first round. Do I think we'll be in the last day? I think both of those cars will drop out before the round of eight. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, let's let's not forget this fact: uh, RFK got one hundred percent of their cars into the uh, playoffs, whereas um, Hendrick got fifty percent of his cars in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're the only manufacturer to get all of their cars, aren't they? Uh, no, no, all the all the Fords didn't get in. Uh, Austin Cindric. Well, didn't get in. all of the yeah. No, I mean, in terms of the team, the, oh, uh, it's Penske, team. Uh, Penske didn't get Cindric in, did they? They got Logano no, they- and. Uh, and Blaney, yeah, they didn't get Cedric um, in. Um, Gibbs did, missed out with Ty. Uh, right, 2311 right. got both. Twenty three eleven got both of their drivers in. Yes, they did. You're absolutely right. Danny and Bubba were both in the Country playoffs. Contrary to so. uh, most fans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor old Bubba. I tell you, yep. people are uh, unnecessarily hard on that guy. You know. So, uh, and then of course, you know, he when he has something fall fortuitously his way as in he picks up the last spot in the in the, in the playoffs suddenly it's a conspiracy theory yep. you know where i didn't see i didn't see anything in the results it could have been manipulated to make sure that uh, that he got in you didn't look so. hard enough you didn't look hard enough if you look hard enough you will find it okay maybe maybe like you know they need to start lobbying nascar you know find me those points <laughs> I only need yeah. another twenty points. Somebody find me those points. Sorry, sorry. That's uh, for our All right. interference uh, podcast coming up later. Yep, yep. All right. So, uh, is, is Darlington a night race? This go around? No, it's uh, uh, no. Do, I don't think so. It has been in the past. That. Sure, they do. Yeah, they, they've had, yeah because they've uh, they've done the labor Labor Day one at night before. Oh yeah, they do because they. I remember when they, they did the first two. Post COVID races, didn't they at night? Yeah, so, yeah, sure uh, did. So, so then for, uh, it's six o'clock. Yeah, because it's, so it's the Memorial dust, Day weekend, uh, isn't yeah. it? So it's the well Labor Day, the, uh, Labor Day. So I always get this too confused. Yeah, a lot um, of people do. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a Sunday night or Sunday evening night race. Right, or with you know the weather as we've had this year, it'll be a Monday afternoon. Be on race. Thursday or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's move our attention to. Um, IndyCars, where we finished up the weekend at Worldwide Technology Raceway, otherwise known as Gateway, um, out there in the St. Louis area. Um, 
Everybody was looking for Joseph Newgarden to win there and sweep all the ovals in a season, uh, which would have been a feat that has not been done before. <clears throat> Although Louise likes to mention that Sebastian Bourdais swept all the ovals in Champ Car uh, in a season where they had one oval race. So I'm not going to <laughs> I'm not going to count that as sweeping all the ovals, but um, so New Garden, yeah, he, he he qualified well, he ran well, he was up front, but uh, that wall caught him. That wall caught him in the in the last third of the race, and um, pretty much put an uh, end to his uh, championship run. He's now eliminated from the championship. And the guy that did win was the guy who won the previous race, Scott Nixon. He was now, just toying with us, wasn't he? He was just uh, toying you know with us. So, so, so here's the thing, right? So Dixon has tightened up that points lead that, that was as much as 110 or 112 down to 78 points. Uh, now still, that's weighs heavily in Palou's favor, right? I think it gives Palou a 88% chance to, to win to uh, Dixon, you know, 12% chance to win. Uh, or how, however that works that's out. Pretty, that's pretty generous, I think. If it's, yeah, well, actually, I, 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 I want to say it's probably 95, yeah, 95 and 5, right? So, <clears throat> But if there's anybody that can make the most out of that 5%, it's Scott Flippin' Dixon. Uh, yeah. I'm telling you, oh, so yeah. here, here's a guy who's, you know, he's he has six championships for a reason, right? And he would probably have nine if it weren't for the fact that uh, he had a teammate named Dario Franchitti, who was probably the only guy that consistently beat him. And that guy is not, ever since Dario uh, has went away, Scott has been absolute top of the game there. And if you look at what he pulled off in gateway, right? He started, you know, he started kind of midfield, but he, he ended up with a 22 second lead, right? 3,000 lead left on that. Yeah. But, but they say he, uh, um, you know, by stretching the fuel, right? So, but but if you look at the stats here, okay? See, a lot of guys, if you look at it, Scott Dixon did this race on three pit stops. The guys in second, third, fourth, fifth, five pit stops. Two fewer pit stops than the rest of the guys, right? And this is number one, managing the fuel, which is a part of it. But the bigger yeah. part of it is managing the tires. Because here yeah. we use alternate tires for the first time uh, on an oval, oh yeah, which yeah. which almost certainly caused uh, a lot of these guys an extra stop, right? Where they, they had to run yeah. a, a shorter stint. So these guys, literally the five pit stops, they were pitting for tires before they really needed fuel. So, um, but Dixon was able to, you know, do a full stint on the Reds where other guys didn't. Plus, uh, you know, stretch out his fuel and stretch out his black tires and just it's just Scott Dixon doing Scott Dixon kind of things and at the end of the day here's Scott Dixon with race win number 55 and uh again like Plo's lead is pretty still pretty substantial but uh, Dixon's not gonna let him be comfortable with that lead <laughs> no I mean and you've got coming up on the schedule here a couple tracks that Dixon doesn't want at Portland and uh Laguna so um yeah it's gonna Get a little interesting right at the end, although it could certainly, um, Portland could uh, end it all. Certainly could be clinched. I think uh, if Palou finishes sixth, it's over. So better, yeah. I think he, better, I think he will do. Uh, for a guy whose average finish is uh, three point eight uh, this year, yeah. So um, 
Yeah, it's a tall order, but uh, again, like if you know, if you're handing out tall orders to somebody, Scott Dixon's your guy. So, all right. So, and again, like, um, so yeah, that's pretty much what. What were you, did you get a chance to watch the race itself? Well, I watched the highlights. Unfortunately, my DVR took a shit in the middle of trying to record it. So I, oh, I hate I when was, that happens. Uh, uh, I was um, um, trying to avoid the. Uh, that's one thing that annoys me about the IndyCar app is if you get push notifications to your phone, it tells you what's happening during the race. And I, you know, I'm recording it for a reason, so don't tell me. Just, you know, the Formula 1 push notifications are like, oh, the race has started, oh, it's halfway, oh, there's been a winner. Oh, who could have won this week? Max Verstappen. Um, now, now, you know yeah. you can turn push notifications off, right? I know, but I want it for all the other things apart from the race. I want it for all the other notifications. So you turn it, turn it off during the race, right? I didn't have to... God, it's a lot of farting around there. Oh, Richard, but, um, Richard, listen. The world happens in real time, okay? I know, but my DVR people, people, didn't happen in real time, did uh, it? Well, that's that's the thing. So it's, it's the, the it falls on you to keep yourself away from the information. Turn off your. I get I get people that that like um, tell me on the the uh, Facebook page we run Elite IndyCar. Hey, can you guys wait to post the results because I haven't had a chance to watch the race yet. The DVR, well, and I'm like, fine. I'm like, no, post stay, it there, yeah. stay, stay off of Facebook, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's oh, but you guys ruined it for me. No, you ruined it for, by yourself by jumping in an IndyCar group on race day because yeah, you know no. what? You know what? The rest of us saw the race, and we would like to talk about it. You join us when you're ready, right? So yeah, but so Richard, the world happens in real time. Yeah, turn off your no, turn off your notification. So, okay, so unnecessary. So oh, I know. it's so it's so hard to press the settings button and slide the toggle. Your poor figure, mu- your poor figure must hurt. Every race, every oh, damn race. every damn race. I tell you. <sighs> uh, yeah, well. But uh, no, it was uh, you know. I, so I did. I did get to see the highlights, and um, yeah, no, it's. I mean, goodness, if you want to take Scott Dixon's career and summar- summarize it in one race, that was it. That was it. Mm-hmm. Man, you could say that about almost every race is one. You know, it was just classic Scott Dixon. And, um, yeah, we're going to miss it when he retires, aren't we? <laughs> so good. So yeah. good. I mean, you talk about, you know, just like teaching the clinic is, uh, you know, I've heard yep. that uh, teaching the clinic um, cliche used with Dixon hundreds of times, you yep. know. So, all right. So, uh, some off track news. Uh, Yuri Vips, we had talked about him possibly joining Ray Hall. And uh, so he is going to be in the Ray Hall uh, car for the last two races of the season, um, replacing Jack Harvey, who was let go. Harvey is trying to find a deal for next year. Um, I don't know what, what he's got in the works. I mean, there are a few possible landing spots for him. You know, there's a few moving parts still out there in the IndyCar world, but uh, Yuri Vips, and here's a guy who is coming off a tough time, right? Uh, where he's uh, he said some comments publicly uh, that he shouldn't have, uh, that anybody with a better sense of mind should have. It's the same, same thing Kyle Larson did, use a racial slur during um, gaming. Um, but uh, this guy, he's just looking for some redemption. Uh, I guess his career is more or less done in Europe. So we figure fewer people know him over here. But, you know, we're already... So, oh, that guy, the guy that got fired by Red Bull. So, I mean... But um, obviously, if the kid's running, you know, in the Red Bull Junior program, right, he's got some talent, right? Mm-hmm. He's tested with the Ray Hall team 
twice in the past before this incident with the uh, with the racial slur. Uh, so um, let's just see how he does behind the wheel. Another interesting fact is that he'd be, I believe, the first IndyCar driver from Estonia. You know, we don't yeah. we, we don't have that many drivers from the Baltic states out there. I mean, you've got, you know, David Malukas, whose parents were born in Lithuania, but David himself is Chicago born. Did, uh, did Thomas Eng ever do an IndyCar race? I, I want to say I think he did some champ car. Yeah. He Perhaps, was yeah. Czechoslovakian, wasn't it? Yeah, but that's not Baltic. That's uh, no, it's not quite. Is that's, it? that's, no, East, that's, that that's East Eastern Europe, Eastern European. Yeah. They call that. Yeah. So, but um, yeah. So Yuri Vips, we'll we'll see how he does it. It's essentially a, an audition or an evaluation for for uh, who they're going to put in that car next year. And you know there are decent guys available for that seat if it turns out that they don't want to put a rookie in there. Um, uh, Roman Grosjean is saying, telling people he's got something lined up for 2024 in IndyCar, although we don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but, uh, you know, certainly there's a seat at Shank. There's seats at Coin. There's there's a seat at um, Rail. Uh, you know, there may or may not be a seat at, uh, oh, I forgot, Carpenter. Yeah. Oh, no. No, Carpenter, because they, they haven't, they only signed uh, Hunter Ray for the balance of this season. So I don't know if they're going to retain him for next year either. So, and there, there may be a seat at McLaren because they're t- McLaren saying they're not retaining Felix. So, you know, and the, the, of course the, most of the smart money is putting uh, Malukas at Andretti replacing Grosjean, uh, Felix at Shank replacing, uh, Pagano, uh, or replacing Elio, rather. No, yeah. Tom Blumquist is replacing Pagano. So, so yeah. So there. Yeah. It's, yeah uh, so we'll, we'll have to see. Some of these things are not announced yet. The, you know, the one big domino that we do know is that um, Marcus Ar- uh, Erickson is going to Andretti. That's uh, that that one has been signed. And then, of course, the guys that are on longer term contracts that aren't going anywhere include all the Penske guys, uh, Dixon. Um, I believe Armstrong is slated to come back to Ganassi. The uh, Pelot's not been announced at Ganassi for next year yet. So, um, although that's widely rumored, despite any rumors to the of the Austin Martin, right? That's like the latest one to come up. With uh, I mean, yeah. when, I, when I heard that when they were talking like for 2026 when they switched to Honda, so I I don't you know know who plans yeah. get that far in advance, you know. So I don't know, but um, so Tom Blumquist is going to finish out the season for um, Michael Shank Racing. Simon Passano done for the season. You know, his last uh, communication via social media said that he's just not. Clear to drive. He's having lingering concussion effects, uh, and he's working with a great team of doctors. And he hopes to be back next year. But, but again, I'm this... sure I'd heard that he'd been cleared to drive, but he didn't want to drive because it was an oval, and he wanted to take that was race that was that was Iowa was a double header. Yeah, and, and it was wasn't like, oh, it wasn't him that didn't want to drive. It was the doctors wouldn't clear him. And okay. That's that. And I, that was the story at the time, but you know. I think it doesn't add up in all of this. I think it's, 
you know, we, we look at Ryan Priest's rep and we look at, you know, some of these other big impacts we've seen in, in, in you know, this wasn't that big of an impact. He didn't hit anything solid. He never hit the wall in the same way that Ryan Priest did. You know, it was the barrel rolls and, yeah, I'm sure it rung his bell and it was pretty dramatic. But was it the biggest impact we've seen? No. Is there... You know, is there something else going on that we don't know about? I don't know. I don't want to be a you know a conspiracy theorist here, but um, something doesn't quite add up with me uh, on this one. Yeah, well, I mean, the the word from uh, the team owners is that that it's you know, that they want him back in the car, and it's all uh, you know medical clearance. You know, the, these type of injuries affect different people oh, different sure. ways. So, and and, and somebody it depends on how many similar injuries you may have had in the past, yeah. you know, um, oh, which yeah. that, that was a case with both Dario Franchitti and um, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah. They, they had enough, uh, you know, got their bells rung enough in the past that, uh, you know, they say, you know, one, one more big one. So, um, yeah, so I don't think that there's anything more going on than the fact that the doctors are just seeing lingering symptoms. You know, it's like, it's like, remember how Kurt Busch, yeah. That drug on week after week, they say, okay, maybe yeah. next week, maybe next week. And then, you know, next thing you know, here we are calling it a day. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, Blumquist is going to finish up there. Um, it's about all the IndyCar news that I've got right here. Uh, well, I mean, we've been talking about the uh, the off-season stuff and the off-track stuff the last couple of weeks. We are headed off to Portland, uh, where it's the fun thing to see is who's going to wreck in the lap one on the festival curves. But, um, you know, Richard, if you had to pick a winner from Portland, who do you like? I, I know it's hard Real to power. pick. He needs to win a race this year. Yeah, I would exactly, love him to yeah, see his streak, his streak alive. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to say Palou wins the thing and just sews it up. Yeah. You know, so, um, which uh, definitely possibly can do that. So, all right. So let's move over to uh, the Dutch Grand Prix. And yep. it's a shame that there's no Dutch drivers in Formula One that uh, people could root for. Oh, no, wait a minute. There is that one guy. Yeah, what's um, his name? Max Verstappen, right? So, yeah, something like that, yeah. His dad is quite good. Yeah, Yas. Yas Verstappen, yeah. He, he did some IndyCar. Um, yeah. <laughs> How many races has Max won in a row now? Is it 10? Nine. Is it nine? nine? So, yeah. Matched uh, Seb Vettel's uh, record. Vettel's so. record, yeah. I remember when Vettel beat the record. The previous record was Alberta with Scari. Yeah. So, but but I think I think the difference, even I think Vettel's eight in a row or nine in a row wrapped. Uh, season. Two seasons. Yeah. That's where Scari's wrapped a season, too. So, but Max has got nine legitimately in one season. Yeah. Uh, with you know several more races to go, um, yeah. so um, yeah, I mean, this you know, the championship is over, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, um, you know, the biggest thing to, to see is who's on the podium this week, and we saw um, Alonzo and Pierre Gasly on the podium, yep, which is uh, you know, Alonzo's not been a stranger to the podium this year, he's yeah, had a, a, few, a couple, a couple of third they're... places early in the season. Yeah. Uh, but now this uh, he's he's on the second step. There's pretty good. Uh, Gasly, that's a good finish for him. You know, oh, yeah. I, I I think a lot of Gasly and Gasly's talent 
Um, yep. So, uh, and that's good for the uh, that team. Um, and then I think Checo was fourth. Which yeah, is... so Checo finished third on the road, but he got a uh, five-second penalty for speeding in the pit lane. Ah. Um, as did, as I think Esteban Ocon got a penalty as well for the same thing. And I think what happened in there, because they were going from wet to, to slick to intermediate to wet tyres on a pretty regular basis, they because the tyres are a different radius, um, they're obviously, you know, the car will... The, the, the axle rotates at the same speed, but the um, the actual car, will, you know, the, the wheel, the speed, car speed is higher. Uh, okay, so the pit, the, the, the pit speed limiter is reading yeah, it wrong. Dry, or you can set it. You can adjust it in car. You can say, right, this is, a, this is you know, I'm on dry tyres, so this is how many RPM equates to 60 miles ah. an hour. I'm on a wet tyre, so this is how many RPM equates to a... And you can actually sometimes see a... A very minor difference on warm tires as well. So the teams will sometimes put a little bit of a fudge factor in there to give them, you know, half a mile an hour um, to play with. Um, but it was, um, you know, there's been two or three races this year, haven't there, where you think this is the one that Red Bull are going to come and stuck at. You know, it's a wet race, it's a dry race, it's a excuse me, changing condition race. This is this is the one where they're going to you know, trip up and somebody's going to snatch a win from under the nose. Excuse me, under their nose, but hasn't happened. Nope. <laughs> you know, they were, if anything, even more impressive. You know, um, Jekka made a good <coughs> call to, to pit at the end of the first lap when the rain hit and, uh, you know, took a huge swing at it and a huge bite out of uh, out of the out of Max's lead and actually was leading for a little bit there when the rain came uh, until, you know, Max managed to get back past him. But, um, you know, we saw a couple of um, unfortunate incidents um, starting out on the Friday practice when uh, Oscar Piastri span on the uh, turn three, the, the almost Bristol-esque uh, bank corner there. And um, so Danny Ricardo had a bit of a strange sort of, he, he wrecked out of sympathy a little bit and uh, unfortunately fractured a metatarsal in his left hand, which, um, you know, for a guy who's just got back into it, uh, to suddenly have to go through that, you know, is, is a real blow to his his chances. I think for next year. Um, yeah, and, and we we've seen these type uh, hand injuries in in racing, and usually it's due to the fact in an open wheel car when that when that tire hits the wall. If you don't take your hands off the steering wheel, it just oh, it you're jer- in trouble. Jer- yeah, it jerks jerks your hands so violently it's, it's going to snap a bone in there somewhere. You know, whether the metatarsal yep. or your wrist or something like that. So. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that was kind of unfortunate that we didn't uh, get to see Daniel uh, continue. And I don't know how long he's going to be out, but uh, uh, who was who was the guy they put in the car? Liam Lawson, who's been Red Bull's reserve driver for a while now. He um, he's racing in the Super GT, uh, Super Formula Series in Japan and doing very well. I think he's second in the championship out there. Um, but uh, I think Daniel's going to miss two races. Uh, is the is the talk? So he obviously missed um, Zanfort, and he's going to miss Monza this coming weekend in, uh, in Italy. Uh, but the aim is for him to be back in. Uh, or Christian Horner has said his aim is to be back in uh, for Singapore in maybe three, two and a half weeks time, three weeks time. Uh, which is it's not easy, you know. Singapore's a, a brutally physical, demanding race on the driver, and uh, for him to be going through something like that. Is going to be difficult. I mean, we look at what um, you know. Lance Stroll went through something similar at the start of the year, where he 
fractured his wrist uh, in a mountain biking accident and uh, you know did incredibly well to to race the first uh, first few events and and you know really was a testament to his willpower and determination there and you know Daniel's got that in bucket loads as well so I'm sure he'll um you know get through Singapore but uh, you know will that be to the best of his uh you know do his just do justice to performance we don't know um it does look there's talk coming through the paddock that Daniel is a lock for next year in that Alpha Tower suit or they're going to be rebranded for next year whatever they're going to be called in 2024 um and Liam Lawson was very very impressive um does that put pressure on Yuki Tsunoda uh for, for for that seat you know are they going to look potentially to put uh, Liam Lawson in there and uh, you know drop Yuki Tsunoda obviously the Honda thing is, is all part and parcel of that the politics involved there um but, uh, you know, who, who knows exactly what's going to happen there? Um, yeah, I was under the impression that Salvatore were pretty uh, pretty happy with uh, Yuki Sonora. Yeah, but now they've got a, you know, a, a, probably a better benchmark there. In sure, Daniel yeah. Ricardo. You know, if, if Daniel comes in and, you know, can match or beat Yuki and then Liam Lawson comes in for a couple of races, because Liam Lawson was pretty damn impressive this last weekend. He didn't get any points, but he's still... You know, in, in very, very challenging circumstances, uh, put up a, you know, really, really good showing. Um, and another guy that, uh, you know, d- didn't um, do his chances much good, um, you know, for a long-term future in Formula 1 was uh, Logan Sargent again, unfortunately. He had a, an unusual incident um, on the backside of the circuit there where he, he appeared to sort of hit a curb around, around turn eight, I think it was, uh, a right-hand curb. He hit the curb. And the car just stopped turning and went straight and, and suffered from a hydraulic failure, uh, which is part of their power steering setup. And yeah, just hit the wall. Um, you know, the team say that, uh, you know, it was a hydraulic failure, but the aggressive nature with which he was hitting those curbs, you know, th- these cars are pretty fragile in, in some instances. And there's a certain resonance and a certain harmonic that will go through the chassis. And some of these components just aren't designed to take that. And, uh, you know, he unfortunately was victim of that and, and put him out of the race. And that was the worst possible timing for him because it was he's his under best, pressure. Yeah, it was his best qualifying effort of his career. Yeah, you know, he's coming, coming out from, from the 10th spot. So, yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, there's that shadow of Mick Schumacher lingering large in the background. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of very positive things have been said about Mercedes and the job that Mick's been doing um, as a reserve and test driver for, for the Mercedes team. And we obviously know that Williams takes the Mercedes engine. Um, you know, Williams, uh, you know, with James Vowles has a very, very close relationship with Mercedes. Toto Wolff used to be a board member at Williams. So there's always been that very, very close relationship there. And, uh, you know, you look even back to when Valtteri was, was taken from Williams and promoted to the Mercedes team. You know, Williams is almost the unofficial sort of um, development team for Mercedes in some ways with some of their drivers and uh, some of their technologies. So, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if if Mick doesn't get the call in that seat. And I'd, I'd like to see him get a second chance against, you know, a, a guy like Alex Albon that is, um, you know, his, his stock has certainly raised significantly in the last uh, 18 months since getting back into Formula One. Um, so there's a lot of dynamics in the back, you know, the back of the pack there. There's even been, you know, talk of uh, Lance Stroll's future, um, you know, within the organisation and, you uh, Within the Aston Martin team there, so so yeah, who 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 knows how all that's going to play out? It's going to be a 
you know, we're already talking the 2025 silly season. We're not even in 2024 yet. So uh, yeah, I know that's that's a crazy thing. It seems like more and more of this. I, I want to say that started in NASCAR with somebody, Matt Kenseth or somebody somewhere along the line. They they signed somebody two years out. And I'm like, yeah. well, that's just really weird to. And then then but we, then we've seen more and more of that. The thing about Logan Sargent though is Williams did public one of the Williams principals did publicly say they're committed to Sargent and that the that we shouldn't read a lot of credence into the uh, Mick Schumacher rumors. But, uh, you know, again, that's William saying this. And and yeah. to your your point, uh, you know, uh, Mercedes has a, a lot of pull uh, in, in as far as what Williams does. So, uh, again, like, you know, the obvious, uh, you know, moral of the story is that uh, Logan Sargent did nothing to help his uh, <laughs> chances of retaining that seat. I mean, the qualifying effort no. was was – Wonderful. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, he's uh, and, and then, but, but you've got, yeah, but I mean, but if you're gonna, uh, you know, start off strong, you got to follow through. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is like like a good golf swing. You know, if you don't follow through, <laughs> that ball's not going anywhere. So, very true. But yeah. you know, you, you look at it. There's probably two guys at the moment in in Form One. I think that that they have a, a seat at, at risk, um, and that's Logan Sargent and Lance Stroll, um, and. You know, we, we look at it and you hear the feedback from Williams and they say they're committed to Logan Sargent. And you hear the feedback from Aston Martin. They're obviously committed to Lance because he's the owner's son. But, you know, fundamentally, Formula One is a results business. And mm-hmm. the team may be committed to them, but are the sponsors. And you need the sponsors on board. Are the sponsors prepared to have their second car running around you know, five places behind the lead car, not getting the exposure, not getting the the airtime, and getting open criticism by the media and the press, and there being a lot of speculation. That's not good for a brand. You know, so at some point, and it's probably more prevalent with Aston Martin than it is with um, with Williams, but at some point, the Aston Martin sponsors, who obviously do pay, you know, quite a bit of money into the team, will start to raise questions about uh, Lance's performances there. And they haven't been good. Um, no, especially you know, and when I, and, and mind you, with Alonso as a teammate, he's, you know, it's, it's a heavily, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. a high benchmark to hit. But if you compare him yeah. with some of the other guys with the, roughly the same amount of experience in the field there and, and yeah, I don't feel that the last is where it needs to be, but uh, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, uh, how much of that, you know, Lawrence Stroll, how much of that team does he control? Uh, you know, so. And you, but you also, you look at the, you know, Aston Martin, you, you've got to give credit where credit's due to um, Lawrence Stroll's done. You know, Lance's father there as, as a team owner. They've got a new facility at Silverstone, you know, state of the art facility, fantastic. Um, working environment for the engineers. They've been reasonably aggressive in the recruitment of engineers from other teams. Mm-hmm. You know, they're taking people from Mercedes, they're taking people from Red Bull and, and some of the other teams. So he's putting a lot of um collateral into that, you know, a lot of a lot of money into this program. Yeah, and bringing um, guys like Vettel and Alonso into the program. Yeah. To, to but then you, you look you know on, on the same in the same breath as that. You know, they're obviously doing this because they want to be championship contenders. Now, will the bit, you know, obviously that's not happening in 23. Will it happen in 24? Probably not. The realistic opportunity for 
a team like Aston Martin to be, you know, to be pushing for a championship contender is 26 when we have a new, potentially new engine and a new aerodynamic package coming into the sport. Alonso is probably not going to be around for 26. In reality, he'd be 45 then. You know, and as, as, as impressively as he's done since his return, you know, father time keeps ticking. And, <coughs> excuse me, you know, will he be the top of his game? A 24 race a year, 23 race a year, Formula One standard driver when he's 45 going up against, arguably, Max will be in his mid to late 20s then. Uh, Lewis will, you know, be in his late 30s, early 40s. You know, will Lewis still be there? I don't know, you know. Leclerc will be probably early 30s. You know, will Alonso be that driver in 26 to win a championship? Will Lance Stroll be that guy in, in 26 to, to, to lead a team? I haven't seen anything yet to say will. So Aston Martin are going to have to start, start making some moves pretty quickly if yeah. they want to start securing these drivers for 2025 and 2026 onwards. Um, you know, that's where the Polo rumours have come in with the Honda link-up. Um but it'll be, yeah, they've got to start doing something and, and something reasonably quickly. And I think because of the nature of the relationship as, um, as, as sort of uh, unfair, maybe, as it is, Lance is probably the easiest guy to get rid of because his dad just turns around and says, go to your room, you know? Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, you know, you got to ask Lawrence Stroll, why are you doing this? Just to, to provide your son with a hobby or do you want to, seriously contend for a Formula One championship and given the resources that he's put into this thing, right? I I, yeah. I think that he's seriously about making that a championship contending team and if his son is not part of the picture, and his son can be part of the picture you know, he can he can be, you know, part of the ad- administration of the team or the, the test driver, the sim driver, but uh, at the end of the day, you got to make a business decision, you got to run it like a business you know, there, there are a lot of other folks uh money in there at stake so yep 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 oh so, yeah all right so just about out of time just uh one other thing one other 80 car note i i forgot to mention uh talking about the silly season stuff you know that's it's even though it's not official that um roman grosjean is not returning to andretti uh if you go to roman grosjean's website all of his uh merchandise yes. with um dhl and andretti on it is um ten dollars for t-shirts so if you want to if you want a good value on a obsolete item you know ten dollars for a racing t-shirt is a pretty good deal right so uh yep and uh 20 off anything else on the site so um but i am am interested to see where he ends up next year if he's uh going around telling people he's got a deal so all right so that's got us out of time so thanks again to uh the Ferrari motion picture, Forza Motorsport, and Xbox, Luis Torres Multimedia, um, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you to Facebook Live, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Uh, also, thanks to Sinister One Productions, Keith Hayes, our producer. Richard, thanks to you. Uh, Lee and Louise, thanks for nothing. Leaving us here hanging by ourselves. No, I, I know you guys are busy. I know you guys are busy. Hope you're having a hope you're having a good night. I hope you got a chance to tune in and uh and watch us. So, but uh, most of all, most of all, I want to thank you folks watching us. Uh, Till next week, um, we will. Hey, pick a winner for Monza real quick. Let's pick who finishes second. 
Yeah, um, we, we need to do that, right? So, because Max is going to go win at Monza, right? So, second, second, second for Monza. Um, I'll go Leclerc. Damn it, I was going to say Leclerc. Okay, um, I'll, I'll go Carlos Sainz then. And you can have Leclerc. I'm going to go with Gasly. I like Gasly. That's a good pick. All right, so now oh, we're done. Norris, Norris, screw it. Norris. Okay, Norris, then, then, I'll, then I'll take Gasly. This, this is like we're, this is like we're trading baseball cards, you know. <laughs> All right, that was fun. All right, so uh, hey, now we are out of time. So, listen, folks, appreciate you tuning in. Until uh, next week, good night. Thanks for watching Drafting the Circuits. Make sure to follow Drafting the Circuits on Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, and YouTube. Drafting the Circuits is a Coach Sinister One production.